Welcome to episode 75 of the Girl About the Globe podcast. For this episode, I'm interviewing Annie Sisson on solo travel in the Balkans. If you've ever wanted to travel to Slovenia, Croatia, Romania, or any of the other Balkan countries, this episode is for you. Stay tuned. Welcome to Girl About the Globe, a podcast for you as a solo female traveler, empowering women to travel solo with maximum adventure, minimum impact. Welcome to another podcast episode for the solo female traveler. This week is a destination interview to inspire you to travel solo. And today I'm chatting to the lovely Annie Sisson. Annie is originally from Salt Lake City in Utah. She returned in 2008 after living in North Dakota, and she's lived there ever since. Today, Annie's going to give us an insight into visiting the Balkans as a solo traveller. First of all, hello, Annie, and thank you for joining me today. Hi, Lisa. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited about this. Yeah, me too. Me too. Before we delve into the Balkans, can you just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what you do? Sure. Um, So I travel is what I love first and foremost of all the things. So uh, I founded a brand called Into the Bold, where I help indie travelers go and create their own trips instead of, you know, going on somebody else's trip. So that's really what I'm passionate about. You know, some of us don't fit into the traditional travel boxes. We want something unique. And the cookie cutter tours or cruises just don't do it for us. Uh, But, you know, sometimes it's hard to find all the information in one place and find, you know, just what you need. So that's what I am on a mission to help indie travelers just be able to create their own experiences in the ways that they want. I love it. Especially nowadays as well, because when I first started blogging, which was 2012, There weren't that many solo female travel blogs at the time, but I think now people have seen other women traveling solo and it's just an explosion of women wanting to travel. So it's fantastic, isn't it? I love it. Yes. Uh, You know, my first, my first trip, my first overseas trip happened to be a solo trip. It was for work uh, and I had less than 24 hours notice. So it was a little bit of a trial by fire. Uh, and I absolutely loved it. And I still love to travel solo, even though I'm married and I have a home and all of that. My husband is always, you know, supportive. Like I'm, I'm going to go away for a while. And he's always like, okay, that's, you know, you have to do what you got to do. Why do you love solo traveling? Oh, so many reasons. Um, one of them is that, I mean, you just get to do whatever you want. You get to be whoever you want. Like mm-hmm. there is no expectation. Like if I make a wrong turn, there is no one there to judge me because it is just me. If I want to sleep in, uh, that's great. If I don't care about a specific, you know, big attraction, I can skip it. Like I just get to be the boss of all the things. And, you know, it's really good. I mean, on a personal level to just spend that time alone. Solitude is very healing and, you know, I think it really just helps us, especially as women, where there's so much external noise and expectation and pressure to just like turn that all off and get back to you. Wow. I couldn't have said that any better. So why the Balkans? What drew you to the Balkans and why are you so passionate about them? 
Oh my gosh. So this, so in 2015, so I'd always had this vision, this dream of like, you know, backpacking through Europe, right. Since mm -hmm. I was a kid. Uh, and I've not had the chance to do the solo trip that I had kind of dreamed about in my mind yet. Uh, and so a confluence of events uh, made it so that I had a chunk of time to be able to do that. And it was really Plitvista Lakes National Park is, was kind of the inspiration for the trip. Um, I really, I mean, just those cascading waterfalls and turquoise yeah. water. I was like, I have got to see this with my own two eyeballs. Um, and so I planned a trip. I mean, the cheapest flights were in and out of Prague. And so I just booked tickets in and out of Prague. I found myself a rental car for six weeks and just packed up my tent and my camping gear and Love just it. said, okay, I'm going to go do this and drive around. Um, but I had planned to head into the Balkans because I wanted to see Plitvisa and, um, you know, fell in love with it. Absolutely fell in love with it and ended up going back like two months later. And I just, I can't stop going back. What countries do you class as the Balkans? Because I was doing a bit of research before the interview and they class Greece also as the Balkans, whereas I thought it was Croatia, Serbia, Bosnia, um, you know, the former Yugoslavian countries. So have you, is it all of those countries that you've been to? So it's, so the Balkans typically, like I go with the Encyclopedia Britannica, mm. <laughs> you know, definition, because I don't know, that's what my brain, my brain does. So the Balkans typically Slovenia. Yes. Yeah, so like former Yugoslavia mm. and then also Albania, parts of Greece, but Greece is really kind of its own thing, right? Yeah. Um, but they also include Kosovo, uh, Bulgaria, and Romania. So it's that Balkan peninsula, but, you know, Greece is its own thing. And, you know, just there's that little bit of Turkey, but Turkey for the most part is its own thing as well. Yeah, true. Did you meet many women traveling alone? That's so courageous just going off and doing that and taking your tent and you camped your way around the Balkans, basically. I did. I, you know, I was on a very tight budget <laughs> and I've done camping, you know, uh, like my husband and I had done that like in Iceland and the UK and, you know, other parts of Europe. So I figured, I mean, this is a great way to save money Definitely. Uh, yeah. and I'm a nature lover. So I am, I am totally down with that. Uh, so yeah, I did meet, I actually, uh, met a few other solo women travelers, but not too many. Um, one of them, I actually, when I was in Sarajevo, she, the hostel owner put her in my room. And so it was just the two of us in the dorm and we became friends. We ended up road tripping from Sarajevo to Budapest together. And yeah, it was a lot of fun, but I did not meet a lot of other solo women travelers, just a few. And I got plenty of strange looks of like, I'm driving a car that has a check plate. I am in you know, Bosnia or Croatia or wherever people are like, what's happening? And you're an American. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> it's all a bit too confusing for them. Yes. But that, you know, it was fun. I traveled to some of those countries a few years ago, I'd say probably quite oh, seven or eight years ago now. And at the time I didn't come across that many solo female travelers as well. I came across quite a lot of solo males there was quite a lot of guys from Australia and from Europe and from England, but there weren't that many women traveling there. But I, I fell in love with the region as well. And in Albania, I actually 
did wild camping. I don't know if it's still the same, but you you were able to just pitch a tent and just camp wherever you wanted. Yeah, I mean, that's still the case in a lot of the Balkan countries that, you know, I mean, the campgrounds, there's plenty of them and they're very cheap anyway. So, you know, I usually did that since they've got showers and all of that. Uh, But yeah, I mean, that's pretty standard is you can just kind of show up and camp wherever as long as you're not disturbing something. People don't really care that much. And did you find them quite easy to travel through? Uh, yeah, I mean, I did. The The countries were great. Uh, it's interesting because outside of Croatia, like the border between Croatia and Slovenia, uh, they're not part of the EU. So every country you have to go through a border crossing. Uh, mm. So, you know, which was quite an experience. You know, I was just keeping my fingers crossed that they had given me all the right paperwork for the rental car. Um, and they did. I mean, like it was really easy to show up and here's my passport. Here's the paperwork for the car. And new stamp. Have a nice day. And I guess for you, you're used to driving on the right-hand side of the road, aren't you? Because it's the right-hand side there, isn't it? It is. So that, that was nice. How did, how did you find the drivers? Um, I mean, compared to Americans, everybody in Europe drives better. So that's just my personal (laughs) opinion, you know? Oh yes. I, I would so much rather take a road trip in Europe than here in the U S anytime. Um, the Balkans, I mean, there's some interesting driving sometimes like, uh, Albania, you know, the rules are really more of suggestions, um, (laughs) you know, but it makes for entertainment. It it was a lot of fun. And what was your favorite country? That's probably a difficult question. It is, but I think, I mean, thus far, I still have a couple that I have not been to yet. But I, I absolutely fell in love with Bosnia and Herzegovina. Like I, Sarajevo especially, like I keep, I keep going back. I mean, I've been four, four times now. I've spent a little more than two months there. Like I just, I just can't get enough. That is one of the places that really touched me as a traveler with Sarajevo and doing, I don't, you probably did it as well, doing the wall tunnel tour and just learning all about the Bosnian war, which happened when I was a teenager. Um, So I just found it a very moving city. It's one of those places that really touched me on my travels. Absolutely. I felt the same way. Like, uh, you know, I had only planned to spend a few days kind of on my way to who knows where else. Um, But as life would have it. I I lost, I left my bag of dirty laundry at the previous hostel and long story short, I ended up in Sarajevo for a week. Um, (laughs) and yeah, absolutely fell in love with it. It was, it's just such an incredible, there's all of these layers to it Mm. from, you know, like the Ottomans, you know, the, the old town is like, you know, stepping back into what I imagine Istanbul was like, you know, a few hundred years ago, like just very intimate and, you know, moving through Austro-Hungarian empire and then Yugoslavia. And of course, you know, the war in the nineties, I was a little kid. I remember, you know, just flashes of images from my parents watching TV. Um, And then to see what the city has become now, Mm -hmm. you know, is just, I mean, it's incredible. Like if 
you want to have a perfect example of the resiliency of the human spirit and the human heart, I feel like Sarajevo is just embodies that in so many ways. Definitely. Oh, you've just made me want to go back now. Right? I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, I want to go back tomorrow. <laughs> I found Mostar. Um, I don't know if that's how you pronounce it, but that's kind of similar when you were talking about the, the Turkish influence with the, the marketplace. That reminded me of like a mini, um, yeah, like a mini Istanbul market. It was quite similar. Yeah, Mostar was lovely. And uh, I finally got to go to Istanbul just this last fall for the first time. Brilliant. Yeah. And it was so fascinating having spent this time in the Balkans, which, you know, was part of the Ottoman Empire, you know, hundreds of years ago. Uh, and so going to Istanbul, modern day Istanbul, uh, it was really an interesting experience having gotten to see a lot of that culture in, you know, a small on a smaller scale in places like Sarajevo and Mostar um, to just see that Turkish influence outside of a huge city was really fascinating. That's what I really love about travel is that when you go to different countries, you start piecing the history together, don't you? And you start to see the influence in different regions. Um, there is a lot to learn, isn't there, about the former Yugoslavian countries. Did you go to Kosovo? I have not yet been to Kosovo. That is one of the few Balkan countries that I have not been to, but uh, right up there with North Macedonia, those are like the next two I really want to visit. I wondered how easy they are for Americans to enter on a visa, because I know for British people, they're quite easy, but I didn't know if you would have any. Yeah, I've heard, I've talked to uh, actually just a couple of weeks ago, uh, a, another American woman who loves Kosovo the way that I love Sarajevo and continues to go back. So if you are entering, like going into Kosovo, my understanding is uh, that's really not a problem. Uh, the only time I've heard that there is some maybe uh, question, like it's harder to get in is if you're going into Serbia from Kosovo, that there's at that border crossing that they, they might encounter some extra, extra time or scrutiny. But uh, my understanding is that going to Kosovo itself, especially if you're entering from you know, Albania or Montenegro, one of the neighboring countries uh, that is in Serbia, that it's really actually very easy. That's good to know. And are there any hidden gems? Were there, was there anything that you came across that you weren't expecting? Oh, so many things. Like, I mean, they're, part of it was like, I went to the region really not knowing what to expect or having a lot of I mean, prior knowledge, I mean, my basic history, history knowledge from when I was a kid, but uh, so there were a ton of surprises. I didn't, I really didn't know what to expect. Um, Slovenia was one that just totally blew me away. I had just planned to spend a couple of days on my way, you know, from, as I was working my way south from Prague, I just thought, oh, okay, like I'll stop in Ljubljana. Obviously, I'm going to go see Lake Bled. That's cool, mm -hmm. and then just move along. And I was like, oh, this place is awesome. I'm I'm going to stay here for a while. So, um, one of my favorites was I was staying at the campground in Bled and had met another woman. I think she was actually British, and they had been traveling around. And she had told me about it's called Lake Bohin, which is, I mean, it's like half an hour from Lake Bled and 
not hardly any people there. And it was just absolutely gorgeous. If there is a place where fairies live, if they are real, they live there. <laughs> really? Like, it was totally, it was, I was just blown away. It was absolutely stunning. That's so interesting because I went to Slovenia. I don't normally do that much research before I go to countries. I just look at safety, first of all. And then I like to be surprised when I get there. I did not even know that that was only half an hour from Lake Bled. And if I had have known, I would have gone there and I would have had the whole fairy experience as well. Yeah, I didn't know either. And so the next day, I mean, I spent one night at Bled and then I went up there and it was so gorgeous. I ended up spending a couple nights uh, just... Yeah, I mean, no, hardly any, the only other tourists were, uh, I think, some from the Netherlands and Germany, maybe, but it, the campground was not very full, and I did not encounter a lot of other tourists, but it was just magic. So on that note, let's talk a little bit about safety. How did you feel being by yourself there, and especially camping? I, t- I have never felt unsafe in any of that part of the world at all. I mean, I haven't camped in all of it, but even the parts that I did, the campgrounds, one of the things I love about campgrounds in Europe versus the US is, you know, they are just more, more it's secure. You know, a lot of the campgrounds in the US, you're kind of out in the wilds, good luck. There's not a lot of people around. Um, yeah, but so like, you know, I've never felt unsafe. and. It's interesting. A lot of people are super friendly when they see, you know, a woman traveling alone, like people would invite me to come over and hang out with them, you know, after their dinner and we'd sit and have drinks or, you know, like one of the campgrounds I stayed in other campers, you know, we'd kind of all just gather around the, the table at the end of the night and drink the plum brandy and have a great time. And, you know, like I've never felt unsafe traveling there by myself. And, I mean, the vast majority of the time I've spent in the Balkans has been alone. Yeah, I had the same experience as well. And I think, um, well, before I went, I was a little bit intrepid, especially about going through Albania, because some of the things that I'd read about it, there, I know there is an area that was unlawful. I've forgotten the name of it now, but there is an area that you should avoid there. Um, it's on the Albania destination guide. But I was a little bit kind of nervous about going through it. And it's very, for me, Albania was very rustic traveling. So it's the kind of place where you don't really know if the bus is going to turn up. And if it doesn't, the next one might be in two hours. It might not be. So that was the first experience I had of hitchhiking. And it was weirdly exhilarating in a way. It's In a way, I still felt in control because the first person who came along was a man by himself. And I thought, there's no way I'm going to get in a car with him. And then a couple came along and then it just felt like the right decision to to do it. Because I was waiting for a bus and the the owner of the hostel said, if the bus doesn't come, just hitchhike because everybody hitchhikes here. And that was seven or eight years ago. And I was thinking, oh, no, no, I'd rather wait another two hours for the next bus. And it just didn't happen. So I ended up being forced to hitchhike and not that I'm advocating hitchhiking I do think you need to go with your your instinct when you travel solo but I'm really happy that I did it in that country and that's the first country I've done it and I haven't done it since anywhere else but it just felt like the the right thing to do but the couple who picked me up was so incredibly friendly they stopped on the way 
and they brought me this special fruit that they were selling on the side of the road. They were really curious about me. They wanted to ask me questions about why I was traveling solo. And it was just a really wonderful experience. I found Albania really welcoming and really friendly. I agree. I mean, I just went to Albania for the first time this last October. It had been on my list for quite a while and finally was able to get there. And that was my experience too. I mean, I just, that's probably of the Balkan countries I've been to, that's probably my number two. Like I will totally go back to Albania. There's a lot I didn't get to see. And I love uh, your description of rustic. I mean, I find that most places in the Balkans that like, (laughs) I mean, I just wrote a blog post about like, things to know before you go, your bus, you know, plan for it to be on time, like just in case, but also know that it is entirely possible that that is not how it's going to go. Um, <laughs> you know, but it's part of the adventure, right? Like I, one of the things I love the most about the Balkans is the pace of life that like everything isn't live and die by the clock that like, yeah, okay, we'll get to that but let's go have a coffee first. You know, that, that slower, the slower pace of life, the different priorities, like relationships and spending time with, you know, friends and family takes priority over the hustle. And um, I just find that so refreshing, which is, you know, like I always say that uh, Sarajevo, but I mean the Balkans in general, like this is where I go when I need to remember how to live and what's really important and yeah, I absolutely love it for that. It does. It feels very authentic, doesn't it? Yeah, it's I mean, it's not trying to be anything no. else, you know, like you go to places. I mean, not that they're trying to be something else, but you go to iconic places like London, Paris, Rome, mm-hmm. Amsterdam. Right. It's not that they're trying to be something, but they're so grandiose. There's so much there that you it's easy to it's or I should say it's harder to kind of get past that first layer of tourist infrastructure there's so many things that are specifically curated for visitors where I find that in the Balkans there's so much less of that you're just here in the place and it's not trying to be anything but what it is that's a great way to describe it What was your routing just out of interest? So the first trip uh, I went, I came down from Prague through Austria and into Slovenia. I went to Croatia. I went to Plitvice Lakes National Park, which was still, it was totally a highlight. It was so much better than I ever even imagined. Um, And then I went to the coast. Actually, one of what I had imagined for this trip was kind of, just working my way down the Croatian coast. I had heard so many great things about it. I thought about maybe island hopping or whatever. And I did not love the coast. I know, unpopular opinion. Wow. I know. <laughs> I, I didn't. I mean, I spent a couple of days and I had met someone at the campground in Plitvisa where like, it was a gentleman from Berlin. He had flown, he was biking from Tehran back to Berlin. And I know, incredible. Um, but he was telling me he had just come from Bosnia and was, you know, we were sitting at the campground just chatting and he had nothing but wonderful things to say. 
And I knew I had wanted to go to Sarajevo, but you know, uh, and after that conversation, I was just like, oh, dang. And so like my final morning, I still didn't know where I was going to go next. I was still kind of on the fence. Like there was the part of me that was like, just go to Bosnia. And then there was the other part of me that was like, but you came here for the Croatian coast. Like you have to do that. And um, for the, you know, 9,735th time, I have learned to trust my intuition because I got to the coast and like, it's not that there was anything wrong with it, but it was just not where I needed to be. Mm. And so I spent one more night and was like, nope, that's it. I'm going to Bosnia. And so uh, I went the next day. Uh, so yeah, that's, that was the route for the first trip. And then from Sarajevo, uh, drove to Budapest. So that was just kind of, that was the first trip. That's such an important point is to trust your instinct. Yeah. trust. And I'm usually like really good about that, especially when it comes to like safety things or if things feel weird, you know, but there was the part of me that was like, but this trip, when I had, you know, originally started thinking about it was this is what I had envisioned and, you know, just giving myself permission to let the vision change, you know, that to follow what felt good in the moment that it's okay to have an idea of what's going to happen. And then also leave the space for it to adjust because you're always going to find new things. When you arrive, you're always going to get more information and just staying flexible allows you to have a more enjoyable experience and follow those, you know, little moments of magic. Yeah. And also somebody else's idea of what they think is good or what their travel style is might not really be what yours is. Absolutely. I think that is a huge, I mean, I think that's really important to keep in mind. And Croatia isn't really known for well there aren't really any sandy beaches are there it's not really they do have beaches obviously but it's not really a beach destination as such is it I for me I thought Croatia's got more of a cafe culture you've got Dubrovnik which has got the historic um the old town and then it's also all about sailing around the islands and seeing the coastline rather than lying on a sandy beach for a two-week holiday it's not really that kind of place is it no it's not I mean and coming from the U.S. we've got like or you know like a short plane ride away you can you know hop into the Caribbean and beautiful some mm-hmm. of the most beautiful beaches in the world so and again I didn't really have a lot of expectations I didn't know what to expect uh but yeah it was just like and I'm let me be clear I'm a terrible beach bum anyway like I like to be on the move I am doing nothing is not something I'm great at. So, you know, uh, lessons learned. So it was good. I mean, overall it was good. I have since been back to Croatia and I did get to go to Dubrovnik and all of that, but for where I was on my own personal journey and, you know, for what that trip needed to be, you know, that was not the place for me. So if somebody only had two weeks, what kind of itinerary would you recommend or which, which country would you recommend? Oh, that's so hard. Uh, if you, and of course it depends on how you're going to move around. Um, like, and for me, it's so hard because this is why, you know, this is what I do when it comes to indie travel is like, well, that depends. What are you interested in? Do you want beautiful beaches? Do you want cafe culture? Do you want, 
food? Do you want history? Do you want nature? Like there's, I can build you a two week itinerary around any one of those things, but it's hard to say generically, like this is where you should go. I will always tell people, if you're going to the Balkans, do not skip Sarajevo, always go there. Um, you know, for beautiful nature, Slovenia and Romania are incredible. Montenegro too, like, gosh, that country is so pretty. I mean, Albania, everywhere is so gorgeous. It's like, it's, it's, it's impossible. Hard. Yeah, it's really hard to pick, isn't it? It really is. I think Slovenia also is ideal for someone who doesn't have that much time because you can get from anywhere in the country in under two hours, really, can't you? It's kind of quite small and compact and so safe and easy to get around if you're not driving a car as well. The bus system is meant to be quite good there. Yes, that's a great one for, you know, if you're going, if you have a short amount of time and you want to just kind of see, you know, a really beautiful country and get a taste of the culture. I mean, I feel like Romania is a lot of the same, especially if, you know, you're interested in Transylvania, like there, that's a well-connected area. Um, Albania, I mean, of course is lovely, but it takes... (laughs) Uh, things I didn't plan on. I, I rented a car for part of part of my time there. Uh, it takes a while to get anywhere because you have got to go up yeah. and over all of the mountains all of the time. So, you know, uh, I didn't see as much as I had hoped because it was like, oh, that's like a five hour drive, even though it's only like a couple hundred miles maybe, but it you have to go up and over all of the mountains all the time. Yeah, I took the bus in Albania and a couple an older couple got got on the bus and I got up and let them sit in my seat thinking the destination was coming up quite soon because of the distance I was stood up for three hours yeah no I it just takes ages yeah yes I was driving from uh Vlora to Saranda and I think that's that's where I went yeah yeah and I had just like you know google mapped it it I didn't pay close attention. I was like, oh, okay, that looks, that looks reasonable. That's fine. It looked like this kind of lovely little drive along the coast, like mm-hmm. that that's what I would be doing. No, no, no. Instead, I like, I went through the Logara pass, like, I mean, hairpin turns up and over the mountains. Like it was fun. I mean, thankfully I'm used to driving in the mountains. I live in, you know, a mountainous state here. Uh, otherwise it may have been a little, a little scary, but I mean, it was not at all what I was expecting. And you mentioned Romania before, because we haven't really covered that much about Romania. What were your highlights in Romania? Uh, one, so one of the things when I went, Romania is actually a country, uh, I went with my husband and he is a super history lover. So he wanted to see all the history things. For me, I had seen on Instagram like a zillion years ago, National Geographic had done this photo essay about the Danube Delta. And I was like, I have got to see that. So I drug him with me, like, we are doing the nature things. This is what's happening. Um, It was absolutely incredible. 100% a highlight. Like it's the, like it's where the Danube river enters into the black sea. So it's just, it's the world's largest reed bed. There is all of this incredible nature, waterfowl, like, we took a day trip, um, like they go, takes you all the way out to the very edge of the land, like stopped at our tour guides 
I'm assuming it was his family house and like for lunch. And I mean, it was just absolutely incredible. Like huge flocks of pelicans. I mean, it was amazing. Something you would. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Even my husband was like, what is this thing that you want to do? I have never heard of this. What's, and I'm like, no, I saw the pictures from national geographic. We're going. Um, and yeah, I mean, he absolutely loved it too. It's one of those that I isn't a super tourist attraction. You know, most people come to Romania and go to either like Constanta on the coast of the Black Sea or into Transylvania. Um, but this is just an absolute gem. If you are a nature lover, it is hundred percent worth the journey. I love it. That sounds, that sounds really good. When I was there, I just did a quick tour and just saw the majority of the castles and I didn't even realize about that area. I'll have to go back yeah. to that area. I wouldn't have known either, but it was, you know, National Geographic. Thanks, guys. <laughs> I love it when you get inspired by a movie or a book or something that you read in a magazine or you meet somebody and they tell you about this amazing area and you think, right, I'm going to go there. Oh, my gosh. My Google Maps, like, you know, how you on Google maps, you can star a place for like, I want to go here, bookmark it basically. Like if you look at my Google maps, there are yellow stars all over the globe of places that, yeah, that I have read about in books or seen in movies or heard somebody talk about that. I'm like, okay, I'm marking that. Like when I'm ready to plan a trip to this area, I've already got a whole bunch of things that (laughs) are on my list. So what would you say to someone who's solo and they're female and they're looking at going to the Balkans for the first time, but they're feeling a little bit nervous about going there? I would say, I mean, do it. It's so much like I expected, you know, because of the history. I mean, thinking about the Balkans, especially former Yugoslavia, brings up a lot of images of conflict, right? Like a lot of people still kind of have that imagery and it's been 30 years and my experience, and I've traveled through more than half of Europe now, of all of the places in Europe where I have been, the Balkans has been the most warm, hospitable, welcoming, friendly countries. I mean, it's just do it. Like, if you want to start simple, Slovenia is a great kind of starting place or Croatia too. Croatia has a lot of infrastructure. They're used to tourism. It's not, you know, if you are speaking English, you know, which I'm assuming a lot of your listeners are English speakers, uh, that those are places where it's going to feel a lot easier. Mm. You know, I mean, I feel like it's easy anywhere, but if you're nervous, those are great places to start. I actually visited Kosovo a few years ago for a week. And again, I was a bit nervous about going to that country because of the history and because of what I've read. I honestly think that when you get to a place, you know, read things, but don't take that as your truth. Go to the country and actually see it for yourself because it can be a very different reality. And I found Kosovo very easy to travel through as well. I also find the majority of those countries incredibly cheap. So they're good for a budget traveler. I think if you really want to maximize your budget and see as much as possible, that region is a good region to be able to do that. Absolutely. It is so affordable. I mean, the most expensive place I've been in the Balkans was Dubrovnik. Mm. And 
it's still nothing compared to, I mean, even like Berlin. I mean, it's still really, really affordable. We had a beautiful kind of uh, little apartment overlooking the city. I mean, you had to, there were a lot of stairs to climb up to get there, but like a whole apartment. And I think like total was like 40 US dollars a night, which is, I mean, in Dubrovnik, which is very, very touristy, yeah. you know, it was still really affordable. Yeah. And you're right there, aren't you? You've got everything on your doorstep as well for that price. Right. And your own space, you're not, you know, it's not a hostel. You're not sharing, you know, I mean, I have no problem with hostels. I've done that plenty as well, but you know, like this was for my, I mean, own private space. It was the same through Albania. I rented my own little apartment or private space the whole time. And I never paid more than 25 us a night. Okay. Oh, so great. Yeah. Yeah. It's wonderful for if you're on a budget and you just want to see some incredible places, the Balkans are a great option. Yeah. And you can afford to have your own room there as well. Can't you? You don't need to stay in a hostel all the time and stay in a shared dorm unless you want to meet others really but you can it's that kind of destination where you can afford to have your own space absolutely you know and another great place for meeting people you know because I mean I do tend to be very solitary I'm not you know when I'm solo traveling I'm I'm here to be with me but you know it's always nice to make friends and you know uh, meet people but I love a free walking tour for that to get to know the city and it's always a great opportunity to just meet some other travelers and uh, you know I love that as well if if someone does want to meet people but also likes having their own space yep a free walking tour is always a great option definitely fantastic tips and just to sum it up what kind of traveler would you say the the Balkans appeals to the Balkans is definitely for indie travelers. Like this is part of probably part of why I love it so much. This is for the the people who want something different. You don't want the generic, you know, multi-day group tour. You don't want to just sit on a cruise ship and or check off a list of attractions. This is for people who really want a unique experience, want to immerse themselves in a culture in and get to know a place on a totally different level that you, this is where you go, you know, you want to get off the beaten path. You really want to connect with and get to know a place. The Balkans are perfect. Fantastic. And Annie, where can people go to find out more about you? Uh, you can find more on my website is it's just into the or on Instagram, it's just into the bold. You can find me there. That's fantastic. Thank you so much for joining me today and just for sharing your amazing experience on the Balkans. Thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. If you enjoyed this destination interview with Annie, you can find some of the solo destination guides on the Girl About the Globe website. Thanks for tuning in and I'll be back next week. Thanks for listening to our Girl About the Globe podcast, making solo travel easier for you. Find everything that you need for your solo travels at girlaboutheglobe.com and don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode.